0: To another edition of the Deeper Dive podcast, recorded here in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington D.C. at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in the of Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell. Once again, joined by Father. uh, I'm sorry, Father Jack Barard. Hey, Bill. Wow, and Father Scott Woods. Hello, Bill. Father Larry is taking a break today. Um, Today, we're going to talk about. uh, We love. podcast suggestions, topic suggestions, and someone had suggested um, kind of a, a, to discuss the state of vocations, and we're going we're gonna to mention a report um, entitled The State of Priestly Vocations in the United States that was done by an organization called Vocation Ministry, but talk a little bit about the vocation situation here in the Archdiocese of Washington and a little bit about our own two priests that are joining us today uh what their vocation story was so we'll start with father scott woods father you were the assistant vocations director at one point for the archdiocese of washington correct and are still heavily involved in um vocations for the priesthood
1: correct um any (laughs)
0: particular any particular um uh uh, person in your, in your vocation story that, that really stood out or, uh, or a series of people or a program or a ministry or whatever that, that really, um, uh, sticks out in your mind still.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have an unusual one because I, my family wasn't Catholic and it was, uh, really, uh, my family tells me at least that ever since I was three, I was saying I want to be a Catholic priest, which was surprising because we weren't Catholic and, and, uh, they don't know where it came from, so I really think it's the, whole, it's the Lord. And uh, probably really uh, in my own heart, uh, remembering years later in Catholic school at Our Lady of Sorrows in Tacoma Park, was the Mass itself drawing me, uh, attending Mass as a, as a non-Catholic kid, not able to receive Holy Communion, uh, even choosing to go to confession, though I didn't know what it really was, but a the very kind priest who, who talked me through just about God and the Lord's love. And then, uh, and then years later, Archbishop Carroll High School uh, finding out there was daily mass before school and going to daily mass and attending, not Catholic and not able to receive, and yet, you know, um, <laughs> pardon me, bless you, <laughs> pardon me, um, um, and just really falling in love with the Eucharist and and desiring, and then the, the call coming back very strong in a very strong way, and then my parish priest just uh, after I came into the church, uh, really getting me to be an altar boy and eventually had altar server and and very involved in the parish and, and uh, with the school in terms of charity uh, towards the kids who needed help. It's after school programs and things like that. But but particularly the liturgy, I would uh, say won over by the, the beauty of the mass. Brother Jack?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember feeling the call a lot younger than when I responded. Not, um, But I might, I didn't make the dive, jump into seminary until after I did focus. Um, which had a lot to do, not so much that focus uh, has any kind of intentionality in getting guys t- to become priests or uh, young women to become sisters, but just the focus on both the Lord's love and on prayer really kind of pushed me in uh, to know that the Lord was asking me to do it. I remember when I was in college at the Newman Center at Temple, the priest kind of made a suggestion you know that i should think about it. i remember talking to a vacations director up in philadelphia at the time and uh, but i wasn't really willing to to say yes until my prayer kind of you know took a took the shot in the arm and was able to kind of be able to say yes from there uh when, so i know yeah a little, t- little bit different story than father scott but <laughs> right but i but think when, with the same kind of core
0: yeah when you mentioned um your your the time you maybe first heard the call. Um, what what did that look like for you?
2: When I was in like high school yeah. and I first kind of thought about it, yep. I'll be honest. So my, my first time that somebody suggested to me become a priest was couldn't have gone worse. Um, <laughs> because uh, so not who was so, the person, but what, what, what was the person <laughs> a clergy
0: or a lay? No, person? it was, it was a lay guy, okay. which
2: was fine. Yep. Um, And, and I had to, I, I I had to give like a talk at the end of church and the, the talk was actually about just like volunteering our time. And I was involved in the youth group and, um, was, was, I'm I'm pretty certain the only person who was willing to do it because I didn't know I could say no. And, uh, and I just had, I didn't even know scripture all that well or anything. I just was looking it up for like, you know, spot verses for like why we do service and stuff. And afterwards this guy comes up, and he's like, have you ever thought about becoming a priest? You did really well to like weave, you know, scripture into your talk and this. And I, you know, vocation was not on my mind at that point. But the way he did it, he like ended it with this, like, well, unless like all you're concerned about is money or power. And I was just like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, so like the idea of him like saying, hey, you should think about becoming a priest. Great. The way he did it was not didn't didn't uh, leave a good taste in my mouth as yeah. a 15-year-old kid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Father, uh, Father Scott, um you, you, so you've been a priest longer than Father Jack and 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 uh, as we alluded to um you know was intimately involved with uh, you know the day-to-day vocations. How how has in our own diocese how's how's voc, how is the vocation how has that changed in the past like t- last 20 years? Um, is it, is it, is it growing more at the parish level in addition to, you know, the fact that we have our own seminary now, of course, and everything else, but how's it changed?
1: Yeah, well, definitely we've seen more younger guys coming in. We've had a number, good number coming in right from high school or during college. Um, so we've seen a, a trending of younger clergy. Um, I think they, I can't remember that. I wish I remember statistics they were showing, but it was looking really good with the A good number of priests under 50 uh, now because of these guys coming in, and a good number of them staying, uh, despite the statistics here, a good number of them staying and making it to ordination. Um, The other thing is uh, just, it was a a priest from Baltimore, I think, who said to me, the thing I noticed about you Washington guys, your Washington guys, is um, they don't point to any particular bishop or necessarily so much a program. They point to often the priest in the parish or the priest at their campus ministry. Uh, those are the ones who've had especially the effect of, of really have powerful effect on many of them in their decision to discern and then to be open to priesthood.
2: Hmm. Oh, Jack, any? I was going to say, actually, just kind of corollary to what you're just saying, Father Scott is, I was just talking to a guy who's entering seminary next year and it focused missionary and, and really excited for him to join the diocese. And, I, but I was like, you didn't, serve here or like live here. Like I said, why, why'd you pick DC? And one of the things he said was, um, he's, he goes, he's, he said a couple of different things, but one of the things he said that struck me was he was, uh, that I've heard a couple of times is the strength of the presbyterate, right. As a, um, he's like, there's just a lot of really good, solid priest. Uh, he goes, and I know there's good priests everywhere, but it just seems to be, um, you know, a much more fraternal aspect. Uh, you know, that's really kind of added to the strength. Cause I remember when guys were when in, like in seminary stuff, they were really excited for their Bishop. And the reality is, I mean, most bishops aren't there very long. I mean, it's an occasional Bishop who's there for more than 10 years, but like, you know, our, our diocese is, is I always had a very short life for bishops. Um, but it's becoming more common that you can't really rely on the strength of of the Bishop in a diocese uh, to be there for very long, just because he's always called to, it seems like, uh, take on another role, but it's that fraternity within the presbyterate that can be so attractive to a guy.
0: And before we get into the uh, talk about a bit more about the report, just a couple of questions. How, I mean, is it a, how important is, is it for a diocese to have, its own seminary, to, to call its own.
1: Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, I mean, the, to be able to take guys to the seminary, to our college seminary, and for them to see guys who are from our parishes and know the the priest and know the people, and to be able to experience that, like we, we started doing some years ago from our, from uh, St. Mary's Reich in High School a visit, a, a day-long visit, a shadow day, where they shadow a seminary and they get to kind of live the life of seminary. for the, And it's huge. I mean, even... Even now, number of guys who came in later into seminary said that was a huge influence on them. Even though they might not have entered it right away, that at least opened their hearts. You know, so that when they did receive the call, they were like, "This is, this is not a monastery." <laughs> no offense against monasteries, of course. Uh, it's it, it. These are normal guys. Uh, it's also helped with parents. At times, we've had parents who are very uh, nervous about their son going in because understandably with the scandals and everything that's happened and then they'll they'll visit the seminary and say wow these are like great guys who anyone would want to live in a household with these guys and that's opened many hearts um, because of that experience
0: and you know father jack you mentioned um, um uh, the, the focus ministry uh guy this may be entering that it is entering um seminary ne- next year I think a lot of people don't know how that how that process works. For for example, uh, you asking to enter a seminary and be a diocesan priest in a diocese mm-hmm. that is not your own. So, you know, h- how does that work?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's definitely outside the norm. You got to have some sort of connection to the diocese. I always joke with people, but it's kind of true that the last free decision I made was to join the Archdiocese of Washington because ever since then they've basically told me what to do right they they said okay we'll fill out the application and and once you're accepted now fill out the applicant you're going to go to the mount and there's discussions and everything but then it's and then you know i went to rome so they said you're going to go to rome like i didn't apply to do that um and then i filled out the application but um and and that's kind of how it goes is that you're you're kind of in dialogue. You got to have some sort of connection. So this guy isn't from the diocese, but he is from Northern Virginia. Right. So, um, and, and he's kind of in a unique situation where his parents moved, moved out of town. So it's, you know, is his connection to his home diocese that strong? Well, not, not as much as maybe someone like me who is serving 20 minutes away from my childhood home. Right. Uh, so so yeah that that process is it, it usually is there's a little bit more i would say discernment on the part of that the the church on that part to make sure that the guys like ready you know if uh, if I can only imagine that as a vocations director and you get an application from somebody in you know Wichita to join the archdiocese of Washington as a 16 year old you're going to go no like that's just not you're not really there to be able to to make that call this is a guy who you know college graduate worked in a number of different cities on the Eastern seaboard for five years and is now saying, this is, this is my place. Cause this is the, the one, you know, I, as much, as big as the Archdiocese of Washington is, I know I'm here, right. (laughs) Uh, For, for the rest of my life, which is really kind of a, a beautiful gift. So that, that discernment of, of which diocese is, is very helpful and important. All
0: right. So, and looking at this report, any, anything, you know, um, in a, in a general, overall um basis jump out at you? I
2: I I didn't realize that the the decrease in seminarians over the last whatever it was seven or eight years was so sharp. Yeah. Um I mean they they have the statistics in it and it dropped uh about eight hundred and fifty seminarians from thirty eight fifty to about three thousand. Um and I think that's it's a semi artificial number. Um, I think it's, it's, uh, exacerbated by the COVID crisis, you know, of, you know, one of the normal means of, of, of outreach, of, of invitation was just cut off for, you know, 2001, uh, 2020 and 2021 pretty much completely. Um, so I think that's definitely going to, artificially hurt the numbers a little bit, but at the same time, I think it is, um, that's, that's, it was a pretty stark, uh, number to see.
0: Yeah. And then just for, from a percentage standpoint, percent change, it's, um, that father Jack was referring to from 2014 to 21, there was a 22% decrease in the number of seminarians by, by year. Um, in that, uh, seven year period. And I agree with, I'm sure COVID just, you know, there's no doubt in my mind COVID had something to do, you know, and the skew those numbers in the end. Um, but just, you know, in the other three categories, just while we're talking about it, the uh, the total active diocesan priest decreased 9% in the same timeframe, um, 14%, uh, total active religious priests decrease in 14%. And then the uh, total priestly ordinations was down 24%, um, in the, in that time period. Um, so, um, okay. One of the things that stood out to me as the only guy in the room, so to speak, not wearing a collar, uh, was, the, was the, the, this figure. It's the, the report found that regardless of factors affecting the priesthood today, 75% of newly ordained priests year after year report having heard their initial call before they were 18 years of age to the priesthood. That seemed high to me for some reason. That, does it not strike you all that high as the same
1: yeah I mean it doesn't surprise me. I, okay. I, I used to hear all the time uh, from from guys. even now I hear from a number of parents of some of our altar boys that yeah, my sons talked about the priesthood or mentioned it, and uh, I've had kids come up to me and say, yeah, I wanna I want I, th- I think I want to be a priest and uh, you know and for you, it was what grade? I was three years old. Three so years old. <laughs> so it's really weird. And I think the cardinal. I think the cardinal was the same too, and he wasn't. He also wasn't Catholic. So some of us just yep. receive a divine call in that way. But but uh, for many, it, I think it does come early, particularly if they're all. And this is what this bears out: if they're altar servers, <clears> they're involved, <throat> or they're in youth ministry, they're more likely to have hearts that are open to experience uh, that call. And I think that uh, that's what we've seen in the Archdiocese of Washington because our statistics are better than those than the national average. In the Archdiocese of Washington, we've been really, really blessed with good-sized classes compared to most dioceses. <clears throat> not still completely meeting our needs by any means, but but uh, you know, God willing, next year or this this uh, summer, there'll be uh, a class of seventeen transitional deacons, which we couldn't mean could we have seventeen new priests a year from now entering in. Now the numbers after that are not <laughs> near that large, but still, that will be a huge boost to our archdiocese. So.
2: It, well, the one thing that I liked, it, one of the things that was helpful about the report that gave me a little more hope for our own diocese was, uh was they had that baseline number. So they kind of like, basically, what's your real, what's the real replacement level of for, for priests? And we've actually done really well to be above that. Um You know, we have, I think we have 150 priests who are technically active from, who are diocesan. And we've got a lot of religious too. I know that, but, but. Um, so we only need to, I think, ordain about three a year to kind of maintain, which is not what we want, but at least it's, um, like that's usually a bad year for us. Um, like I was, I was a class of eight, um, and I'm not the biggest class in, in five years. So like, but the class after me was four and everyone was like, wow, that's really small. And it's like, well, (laughs) yes, but still better, uh, (laughs) than, uh. You know, we're not in an emergency situation like some of the bigger dioceses and, and, uh, throughout and if, the country.
1: Exactly. And being on the priest personnel board, um, I, I've just seen how we've been able to send a number of guys to help out in other places uh, that are in mm. need. And, and you know, some of our guys at times have said, I want to look at uh, helping out. We have Father Dan Leary down in Mexico for some time. and mm. Uh, other priests from the neocatechumenal way who are on mission, and we've been able to let a good number of them do that. We also have a good number of the military archdiocese, and yeah. so we've been able to do that because of the numbers being so much stronger than most. Now, one of the inter- uh, one <clears throat> one
0: of the uh, interesting, another interesting uh, factoid out of here was, so the main reason young people do not consider the priesthood or consecrated life, the main reason is that they have never been personally asked. I thought uh, you know that was I, I. You know, obviously, like anything else, some dioceses are better at this than than others. Um, and, um, and and another way it said, men first consider the priesthood because a priest encouraged them to do so. Uh, year over year, around seventy percent of those ordained report that it was a priest first who invited them to consider um, the priesthood. Um, uh, and then say, that, like for example, were you the one of the questions was, were you encouraged to enter the priesthood by any of these people? And a parish priest is 71%. And then it drops kind of precipitously. A friend, 46, parishioner. And I thought it was interesting that moms and dads were kind of uh, fourth and sixth place on here. Um, you know, only because we make fun of, it's an easy joke sometimes, you know, with some of our very pious mothers, um, you know, con- um, convinced that their child is, is, pre- is going to be a priest when he's 18 months old. Um, so hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting that those were a little bit lower down.
1: Yeah, I definitely saw in vocations work that you know some of the ones who discouraged most their sons from priesthood or their daughters from religious life were often parents. Uh, now part of this I think is a number of families having uh, smaller families where this is the only son you know or one of one of only three children or the only child I remember one I man I worked with and his family had a really tough time because uh, for whoever knows what reasons but they only have this one child and their one child so all the hopes of grandchildren and all those things, and understandably, was really tough, and it was really tough on him to, to after hearing that call, then to make that decision. So his, his parents were, were much more discouraging, um, but but then opened to, over time as they saw, you know, his joy and what he was preparing to do.
0: What should, um, now, you you aside as the pastor, what should what is a what is a good. Uh, par- uh, what does a parish that has a, um, a a supportive vocation program look like?
1: Well, definitely, definitely, it's um, much like uh, Sacred Heart here, you know, and and I'm sure Father Jack's making doing the same thing in his parish, which is trying to get uh, families involved in the parish in the life, of the youth programs, the. Uh, the priests being involved with the youth, you know, I was really happy. I came here and saw, I mean, we walked in the youth group and Father Jack and everyone's client's name at the school, you know, being involved in the parish school. So the priests involved, and in that really comes through in this report, priests were very involved with the youth, with families as a whole, visiting meals. I was always happy with how people, when I came here, were inviting Father Jack and I to, to you know, over to dinner all the time. Uh, wanting us to be with their families and i and i saw young men out of that even already thinking about the priesthood um and then certainly if we can have you know really advertising and inviting young men personally um to come to vocation events so that i'd mean, I, I like to the model that of uh, one of our vocation former vocation directors always said every priest should consider himself an assistant vocation director and therefore be looking out to see are, are the characteristics I see in this young man that he could be potentially be called and then inviting him to the events uh, that the diocese has, because of course they can't anything else about their report. Father Jack.
2: I mean, I, I don't know if it necessarily is in the report. It's kind of there, but I, I would say, you know, one of the pillars that they said is prayer. And I, I would even expand that beyond just simple, you know, prayer. Cause sometimes we, we say that it's kind of a catch-all. Um, but but rather almost that to be able to highlight priesthood as, as something important and i and i don't mean in like a clericalist sense but but i think one of the um you know the the report kind of brings out like okay you know priests who are stretched and 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 all of that and um at one point it even talks about how there's no seminary training and, and administration and and that's one of the struggles of big dioceses with big parishes is that you the the priest can't actually meet anybody because he he just doesn't have the time which is fair and and absolutely uh justified I think but I I think that also kind of lends its um just lends itself to kind of a natural understanding of things um what's that is it John Eldridge who wrote Wild at Heart uh, who it's like talking about like what's the nature of of man's heart and he says that a man wants to fight for something, right? He likes the damsel in distress. He he needs to be the protector. He needs to do all these things. Well, if the priest is just the guy who gives, you know, says mass kind of casually and um preaches kind of whatever and doesn't really seem to have any kind of real impact on the life and and or and doesn't really have any sense of you know, a divine calling, um, why would anybody want to do it? (laughs) Right. Like if this is, but if it's something kind of courageous, if it's something that, um, even if you, you know, kind of disagree with, disagree with certain things, the priest has chosen to do, but to still kind of see the, the dignity of it. I think that that really helps kind of understand. I think, you know, um, you know, I know, uh, what is it? First Friday at Sacred Heart, they do the, uh, do the devotions. Um, and part of it is prayers for priests, right? And, and to, to have that kind of mentality of pray, like it's part of our responsibility as the entire church to be praying for priests. I think that's something, um, something that really helps foster, um, a vocation.
0: Yeah. And just to expand a little bit on the Father Jack mentioned one of the pillars. The four pillars it mentions in here are prayer. Um, And, you know, it refers to, um, you know, uh, Eucharistic, in addition to, you know, things like Father Jack said, prayer is kind of a catch-all, but specifically Eucharistic adoration, uh, vocation-related prayers, as you mentioned, like we do here. Um, uh, Pillar two is education. Um, Pillar three is youth ministry. Again, another factoid. 75% 75% of priestly callings take place prior to a boy's 18th birthday. Um, and it says, with, you know, with this in mind, parishes and schools must be deliberate about act- actively helping young men to begin thinking about the priesthood. And then lastly, it was affirmation. Uh, Father Scott, is there, is, there, is there a common mistake, or are there mistakes in the way sometimes we, we can go about promoting a vocation to a young man or woman?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think certainly if it's if it's a matter of where they feel pressured and um, in some way that with the expectations of a parent or the expectations of a priest that like like well, the church needs you, uh, I mean, it's okay in some way to say mm-hmm. that, but but that can't be the main reason. That, you know, it has to really be helping them. I think Father Jack, you got it so well with the, with prayer to just open their hearts to knowing the Lord and, and trusting the Lord and knowing that the Lord desires good for them and can do good in them, whatever their vocation. And the more they can trust the Lord in that way and open their hearts and daily prayer and having a good prayer life, you know, then they'll, then they'll trust the Lord enough to say, you know, even though maybe initially I don't see myself being happy as a priest because I naturally want to get married and naturally want to have children. Um, it's not you know, then I can trust the Lord will, will bring me happiness and peace and joy um, in this vocation, if that's where I'm called.
0: So is it <laughs> I'm halfway being facetious here, but young man comes to you, you've been working with him for a couple of years. He's, he's applied to the seminary. He's, he's going to be a great parish priest. And then he says, but I think I might be called to a religious life or, or to, uh, to the military. Um, how does that change things for, a, for a vocations director?
1: Well, a good vocational director would say, you know, well, look, where is this coming from? Is this the fruit of prayer and discernment, or is it from fear? So it, it really kind of the mm-hmm. Ignatian principles of walking them through the, how did this emerge and making sure it's not emerging purely from the emotions, but truly from a, a listening and, and, and helping them walk through that. Because at times, you know, the Lord will seemingly, you know, to be moving in one direction so that they learn to trust more and open more. And then we'll re- reveal a, a vocation that's different than the one that it seemed at first, and our different direction to at first. So, so it's really working with them, and and because the the real desire of any vocation or any priest should be God's will for this young man, and helping him to hear and discern that, so that he can be confident in in seeking that, seeking the Lord's will.
0: follow Jack, ever any consideration ever to uh, religious life for you? N- Not now, but you know what I mean. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I know I can see your face.
2: Say, he was like, "Yes, only, er, every all, week." <laughs> I was gonna say, "Only when Father Scott was my pastor." Uh, Carthusians, he went Carthusians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. Funny enough, I I really didn't. Um, but, um, I and and you know, for for my own my own kind of understanding of like why I chose diocesan priest priesthood or however you want to describe that, how that discernment comes about is I remember even I wrote it on my application of just like, I, you know, every, every order has a spirituality and the diocesan priesthood spirituality is the sacraments. And cause, cause we do, we do I think we do the sacraments more than anybody else. Right. Almost without fail. I mean, we're the ones who, are going into hospitals where the ones majority, you know, we do the majority of baptisms and I would even say confessions most of the time. um, You know, most, most religious communities you're concelebrating, you know, most daily masses. It's like, no, that's, this is our life. Um, now it's a lot of other things, but like, that's, that's the starting point. So for me, like that just was my discernment from the beginning. So I didn't, I didn't give a ton of time um, uh, to, to any, religious life too much you uh,
1: yeah definitely i, I mean I, I think early on i was attracted to franciscans um, at the time i, I just didn't feel that the franciscan groups i was looking at were living fully as the poverty of francis and mm. uh and then i found, found the uh, renewal of uh, franciscans the re- friars of the renewal and saw it live but recognized that god wasn't calling me to that and then uh, a couple of times, uh, monastic life, I've always had a deep love, but I went to visit a monastery and I was like, Lord, please let me just stay here. I love it. Clear Creek Monastery. Uh, I highly encourage it. Um, but the Lord made very clear in my sermon, no, I, I, I'm calling you to be a diocesan priest.
2: All right. Uh, I, go ahead. Kind of just going back the, just yeah. a couple of steps. So when we're talking about like what happens when a guy in seminary like says he wants to be wants to enter religious life. And I actually had one of my classmates um, at the Mount from DC who, who like said it to, to, to the vocation director. He goes, yeah, I've been thinking about the Dominicans. And he goes, okay, well then let's look at it, you know, and and kind of gave him the, the good encouragement. Now he ended up not getting ordained at all, which is, fine but it was it was kind i i remember kind of respecting that cuz i was like man if he was really about the numbers like yeah. <laughs> you know like if which is which is always kind of i think a temptation right cuz we we like success um to let's get as many guys in and i i loved hearing it always gave me great comfort hearing guys who either got booted i hate to say it that way but it it like truly it's like it's a good sign it's a healthy sign when a guy is told actually we don't think this is your call on behalf of the church um, when they're saying when there's an openness to religious life, you could know, be disappointed, but um, I think that's a, that's a beautiful sign of, of authentic vocation rather than just um, recruitment, you know? Yeah.
1: And especially our stasis in Washington, I was always impressed to at least I'm sure it's continued under the current vocation director, but just that I remember back in the day that you know he uh, one of the vocation directors said to me you know the majority of the guys who at least initially come to me we, we don't give them an application we're, we're mm-hmm. very careful and discerning and asking the right questions and really trying to do our best to make sure that this this person is in the right place right now and has discerned well but also you know m- mentally healthy and physically healthy that for all that it takes to to begin that deeper discernment in the seminary
0: not not in a suspicious way but but in somewhat, you so you're saying those who come you know seeking that are scrutinized would you say that i'm not yeah. only to say scrutinize more but
1: certainly yeah i mean it, it, certainly i i guess i was really surprised when i was applying i'm sure father too that just how rigorous it was like it wasn't like i came and like here's an application it was it was okay initial meeting second meeting. then we had a more intensive meeting asking a lot of personal questions and then a psychological test, and then physical, and then meeting with three different priests, and then a whole board of priests and lay couple, and all their questions, and then everything went to the cardinal after the, their vote, a recommendation, and then he. And back in those days, Cardinal Hickey then met with every single guy who uh, hmm. who applied. So I actually had to meet the cardinal <laughs> and and, and then be interviewed personally by him before a decision was made. Hmm. So I just was really impressed, but. It wasn't. I never got the sense uh, that it was a numbers game.
2: What are uh, my, Yeah, go ahead. mine was a little. Mine was a little easier, but but I also had the the unique situation where my brother was in application when I first went up to the vocations director. <laughs> um, so he was like. Like we start talking and he, he knew and he goes, Yeah, I kinda already got a sense of your family from your brother. So and and so like I actually did get the application, in my first meeting. Uh and Some and the signing bonus that we all get. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh there was no signing bonus. But I did get the application, in the first meeting, and he even said, like, I usually don't do this, but and but we had but yeah, we had a two hour meeting, I think, the first time, and then it was uh the, yeah, then it was all the interviews and the psych tests and all that all that stuff after that. It was not it was not the easiest process I would say to well, go through, but I don't think that's a bad thing.
1: And having been a focused missionary too, I'm sure yeah. they that. They probably vetted you pretty well.
2: <laughs> well, and not only that, but it's also kind of, you know, I, so at that point I was what, 23, 24, oh, yeah. you know, versus, versus seven, what were you 17, 17 or 18, 18 when you yeah. probably first went? Yeah. And, and so it is, I think, I think that's part of the the prudence, but um, of, of a vocation director is like, you can't just say, okay, if we just do this, you know, cause that's the other thing. If we just do this with everybody, we'll be fine. It's like, no, that's not how it works. You know, you can't just put guys through conveyor belts and, and assume they'll turn out the right way. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's when that's another good sign of, of I think health for, for yeah, seminary growth and priest growth.
0: You all ever, um, obviously neither of you have the power to ordain. However, have you? Have either one of you ever met a young a young kid, and first time met him saying you're gonna be a priest? I mean, not to him, but in your in your own mind. That's
1: yeah, happened a number of times. Sometimes right, sometimes wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what goes on. Conversely, <laughs> wrong too, right? Yeah, and sometimes it's just been like, oh yeah, there's just something here. You know, even yeah. even before even as a even when I was in high school, I remember just meeting some this one guy who was at the Little Sisters of the Poor, and just something in my heart that said he's a, he's going to be a priest. And then later on, finding out he was a seminarian, you know, which I hadn't known mm-hmm. before. So so definitely, I think priests will get that sense, and, and lay of at times will get that, that yeah. sense.
0: What are, real quick, What are what, what's your opinion on high school seminaries?
1: Um, I think one has to be really careful. Um, I, I have had a couple of my directees go in high school seminary. For one, I, I don't think it was helpful, and I think he was too immature. And the other one, I think it, it, it was the making of him, even though he didn't um, discern to stay in after he graduated. It definitely made him into a much more strong, solid Catholic man, and has prepared him for whatever the Lord eventually calls him to, whether it ends up being marriage or or religious life eventually a priesthood. But, but it, it, I think one has to be really careful that the, there has to be a maturity. There has to be, has to be a good formation program. Which this young man was in a religious order that I've, I felt had that, and uh, the parents definitely have to also be very attentive to. You know, is this the? Is this? Do we too believe this is the right thing for this for this young person, Father?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think it's 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 hard. I think in in modern culture to think that it would be okay for most for the great majority. Now, I think, I know there's there's still one, and I think it's Brooklyn, still has a high school seminary, and it it's based from what I understand from one of the former formators there. It's the equivalent of an all boys high school, yeah. right? It's not like it's uh, it's not a boarding school, and it's yeah. and it's all that. So, I mean, I I almost I, I get like that. I think that model is okay, except for I don't know that it's really quite honest either. Um, that's hard. I I I I, I even struggle sometimes with with college seminarians. Uh, I I, I always, I used to joke that I could pick them out of a lineup uh, almost, (laughs) almost immediately. And even guys, even guys who spent like a year at a secular or just a generic university, right? So um, you can see a certain human formation that you can't really mimic, I think, in seminary. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I still find that true. Uh, But um, so, so yeah, I, I I would say high school seminary would would be a bit bit too far. Yeah,
0: there's a great, <laughs> nice, great fundraiser idea. Here we could have guests a seminarian night. Bring bring in a line. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, the report is not doom and gloom. It's not all bad news. It's good. Uh, we have priests like I think um, you know the the two ton elephant in the room is that priests like all other occupations are aging. You know, and the the baby boomers are coming time retirement age. And um, you know, but the good news is there are there are many. Seemingly healthy diocese, as far as
1: yeah, Father. Do you remember this? We were given the statistics in our last major priest gathering of like, it was a good number under fifty, percentage under fifty coming along. I, th-
2: I thought it was half. I, I think thought so. half our diocese right. was under was under fifty, and Which, and I, we're amazing. definitely. I mean, it, that's the one thing that like threw me off about this report was, and and it's the nature of statistics, right? Yeah. Is that you can never really, yep. cap like say, oh, I fit in this tier of, of size of diocese. And so therefore I should be here. It's, you know, I think we're the outlier, um, in terms of, especially in terms of East coast, um, you know, um, dioceses, but I mean, you know, I remember father Ray Schmidt kind of offhandedly made a comment about, um, when he was in seminary. Now he, what did he get ordained? 85 or I think. think And, uh, and he said, that they were talking about, like, what are we going to do when, you know, with there's a clear vocations crunch, because look at the seminary numbers, like, how, how are so few priests going to serve so many people? And he goes, what nobody saw coming was the collapse of church life and religious life in general in the United States. So it's actually kind of stayed the same, um, which I think is is probably pretty telling as the priesthood strength, so did the church in general. Um, but, but I think there's something to that, that like, like, you know, uh, uh, the, the health of, of, of priestly numbers helps in a lot, lot bigger than just the numbers of priests, you know, it helps the life. It, it's not just, um, the nature of sacramental ministers, which I think is kind of what, what we sometimes, uh, limit priests to, but it should be something more.
0: Very good. Father prayer. Father Jack, sure. that is. <laughs>
2: Our help is in the name of the Lord who Amen. made heaven and earth. Uh, we entrust all things to our Blessed Mother who is Queen of heaven and earth and Queen of priests that she may inspire in, in her sons who our Lord entrusted to on the cross uh, to inspire young men and women to respond to the call of our Lord with generous hearts, open to whatever He calls them to. And may the blessed of God come down upon you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.